the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are rocking and rolling. It's the fourth morning this Wednesday of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Thank you so much for being with us on the program today. Coming up, we've got a couple of special guests. It's Wednesday. You don't normally expect Kersenow on Wednesday, but as I was out yesterday, Peter Kersenow has postponed his visit to today at 9.35, and we're going to be talking about a host of issues related to your freedom and liberty being eroded away by continuing fear-mongering over a pandemic uh, that is providing a whole lot of people with a lot of summer colds, uh, and that is the reality of the situation. Peter will talk about that, and if this pandemic and if the spread of the Delta variant and is if all of this new masking and vaccine is necessary why is the biden administration continuing to send thousands and thousands of illegal immigrants all across this country to states and cities and localities they're unmasked they're unvaxxed they're untested for covid but we're supposed to lock ourselves down strap those diapers onto our faces and uh and make sure that we stay away from other people we do all of those things while they ship Lord knows how many infected people to cities and states all over this country. Peter Kirsten and I will talk about all of that at 935. Then at 1010, this is going to be an interesting conversation, one that I really think you're going to appreciate. We have been following and kind of chronicling the uh, spread of CRT, critical race theory, uh, the spread of CRT curricula, the spread of uh, this extraordinary over-sexualization curricula to uh, our junior high schools and high schools, and quite frankly, to our middle schools, or I mean, uh, to our uh, elementary schools, our primary grades. It's just becoming, it's out of control, uh, and we're trying to stop it wherever we see it. Well, they are having a major problem in Solon. 
Solon schools are full on 100% woke. And they are all about pushing diversity, inclusion, or equity and inclusion in their, uh, in their curricula, in their school policies and protocols. And you may say, oh, you know, if you're unfamiliar with all, with all of this, you may be thinking, well, what's wrong with diversity? What's wrong with equity? What's wrong with inclusion? You don't understand. You will by the time we're done. Uh, but they're pushing that. They're pushing the uh, sexual identity identification uh, nonsense in the schools. They're forcing kids and teachers to say things that they don't agree with or believe in. Uh, it's a mess, an absolute mess. And I know it is at a lot of other schools. I've talked to people from Beechwood. I mean, oh, really, literally all over the place. But this situation in Solon, there are a couple of parents who are leading the fight against the Solon school board, the school, Solon uh high school and uh, apparently middle school uh, administration, principals, and so on and so forth. And we're going to talk to those two parents at 1010 this morning. Uh, Ashley Cronk and Catherine Katina will both be with us to talk about their fight with Solon Schools in order to uh, try to protect their kids from indoctrination. They would love their kids to get an education, not so much an indoctrination. So they will join us at 1010. Curse and I will join us at 935, and we will launch with the news right after we have our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots! Please stand, put your hand over your heart, face your flag if you have one. If you do not, that's okay. Just join us in the pledge. Leftists, go ahead and, and, and wince and cringe. We know how much you hate this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. For all. And with that, well, my goodness gracious. It is time for your morning Olympic update. And my friends, I've been telling you since the Olympics began that I'm not watching them. And I'm not. I still haven't seen one live event. Not one flip. Not one twist. Not one tumble. Not one basket. Not one goal. I am not watching the Olympics. I refuse to support the Woke Olympics. However... There have been some stories that make it to the headlines outside of watching the Olympics that I have been talking about with you, and I have got one to celebrate with you right now. Actually, I've got two stories, and I'm going to give you the kind of the, the, the highs and the lows of it all, the good news, the bad news of it, if you will. If you have not yet heard of U.S. Olympic wrestler Tamira Mensah-Stock, Women's wrestling, by the way, has only been in the Olympics. You know, it's been like starting to grow and popularize for like the last 10, 20 years. It's a new sport, if you will, or at least women's participation in wrestling, especially at very high international level competitions, uh, is, is relatively new. And to have this U.S. Olympic wrestler representing the United States on the medal stand, moreover, Tamira Mensah-Stock of Katy, Texas, which is uh, in Harris County, Texas, which is outside of Houston, Texas, to have her representing this country as a gold medalist is something to behold. I want you to compare what you're about to hear 
I want you to compare and contrast that with what you've heard from Megan Rapino, the pink or purple or whatever she's doing to her hair weird uh, weirdo uh, uh, with the uh, U.S. Women's Olympic National Team who leads the kneeling uh, efforts during the national anthem of the U.S. women's, because she's the captain of the team, and she's been the most outspoken. She's the one who uh, expresses support and love for Colin Kaepernick and his pro-communist, anti-capitalist viewpoints. The U.S. women's Olympic soccer team will not get to embarrass the United States on the uh, medal stand, because they, or unless it's on the gold, or the bronze stand, rather, but that won't matter because they don't play the national anthem for the bronze-winning team, only for the gold-winning team. So they uh, lost for the second time in these Olympics. They are only only chances for a bronze medal now. So Megan Rapino and the woke U.S. women's national team uh, are essentially a thing of the past for us, and that is a great thing, except for the fact that I want you to remember how they acted and how they have behaved on the world stage, criticizing, condemning this great country, calling it a nation that is oppressive, that is systemically racist, which is why they kneel in the face of our flag as opposed to standing for it. I want you to compare and contrast what you're about to hear with the pouty, whiny, anti-American U.S. Olympic hammer thrower named Gwen Barry, who during the U.S. Olympic trials a couple of weeks back or a few weeks back now, qualified, uh, was on the bronze uh, stand because she qualified third, won the bronze in the U.S. Olympic qualifying to go to Tokyo to represent the team, and I'll tell you about her in a moment. But you remember, they played the national anthem, and she was livid. She called it a setup. How dare they play the anthem when I'm standing up there on the, the, the medal stand? She turned her back to the flag. She put a shirt over her head that said activist athlete, and afterwards, when interviewed, she talked about how oppressed the people, really, how oppressed, quote, her people are. She said she is standing up there for my people. She is African-American. I don't care what color she is. She is anti-American. That's what I care about. Now, I want you to compare and contrast Megan Rapino, who is white, Gwen Berry, who is African-American, with Tamira Mensah-Stock, the U.S. gold medal wimping, uh, gold medal winning Olympic. That's right. You combine winning and Olympic and you get wimping. Um Gold medal winning Olympic wrestler uh, Tamira Mensa Stock being interviewed after her gold medal medal win. All right, we're going to hear her. I promise. All right, here we go. Tamira Mensa Stock being questioned by a reporter. Last question for you: That American flag around your shoulders looks pretty good. How does that feel to represent your country like this? It feels amazing. I love representing the U.S. I freaking love living there. I love it, and I'm so happy I get to represent U.S.A. <laughs> love well, it. Well said. Congratulations. Enjoy that gold, and we'll see you out there on the podium, okay? Thank you. I'll try not to cry, but no promises. <laughs> I uh, I don't understand how anybody can not just want to go up to this this proud girl and hug her. She is just like everybody's daughter right now, and I don't even know. She's probably told to be considered, but she I don't know. If she's I don't even know how old she is. How old is Tamara Rents to stock? She looks like a teenager. She might be in her early twenties. I don't know. She but she looks like you know every the, the proud daughter uh, that we wish we all had. She is so ebullient, so overwhelmingly proud not just of her own accomplishment but you should see the video that i'm seeing as i play that audio for you she has the flag wrapped around her shoulders and really around her body she's snuggling herself in it like it's a blanket on a cold winter's day 
When she talks about how much love she has for this country, she makes the heart sign with her hands. You've seen that. She's jumping up and down. She's talking about how when she gets to the medal stand, she's going to try not to cry, but no promises. She talks about how much she loves America and how much she loves living there. This young black woman is the new face of the Olympics. At least for those of us who believe that when you have Team USA going to face the rest of the world, Team USA should be representing and proud of, uh, drumroll please, USA, right? Proud of the USA. And she has just completely flipped the script from all of the woke athletes who don't believe in what the United States stands for, all the woke Olympic athletes who went there intending to shame this country. Which leads me to the second story of our Olympic coverage this morning. Gwen Barry, the aforementioned hammer thrower. I've got two headlines in front of me right now. One of these headlines was from uh, just prior to the um, U.S. hammer throwing competition. Team USA's Gwen Barry, this is the headline, says she will stage protest if she medals at Olympics. Quote, I'll represent the oppressed people. In other words, she will convey to the international community that her country is oppressive. If she medals and gets to that medal stand, she will stage a protest. That's what she said prior to the start of this competition two days ago. Here's the second headline. One that's just a, I don't know, a little bit more gratifying if you ask me. The second headline reads, Gwen Barry fails to earn medal at Olympics. I don't know about and you. dig it! <laughs> if this isn't karma, I don't know what it is. Not only did the, I'm going to protest if I medal at the Olympics, I'm going to embarrass the United States on the national stage if I medal at the Olympics, I'm going to accuse the U.S. of systemic oppression if I medal at the Olympics. Not only did Gwen Berry not medal at the Olympics, there were 12 competitors in her event looking for one of those top three spots, gold, silver, or bronze. There were 12 competitors, but she didn't finish first or second or third. As a matter of fact, she didn't even finish fourth or fifth. Gwen Berry, who says she's going to protest, didn't even finish in the sixth spot, which would have been at least the top half of the field of 12. She didn't finish seventh. She didn't quite make eighth either. Gwen Berry, who promised to humiliate and embarrass her country if she meddled, didn't finish ninth or tenth either. Gwen Berry finished 11th out of a total of 12 competitors in the hammer throw putting her little I'm going to humiliate and embarrass the United States plans off just a little bit. This is what karma looks like. Gwen Berry gets nothing, absolutely nothing. But Tamira Mensah-Stock gets gold. Last question for you. That American flag around your shoulders looks pretty good. How does that feel to represent your country like this? It feels amazing. 
I love representing the U.S. I freaking love living there. I love it, and I'm so happy I get to represent U.S.A. <laughs> love it. Well, well said. Congratulations. Enjoy that gold, and we'll see you out there on the podium, okay? Thank you. I'll try not to cry, but no promises. <laughs> there was a power outage in Tokyo, the entire city would have been lit by her smile. You should see her enthusiasm, her happiness. She can't stop smiling. They're asking her questions, and she's just like ready to just, she's jumping up and down with joy. And that is the joy that I believe one can only feel when they are truly proud of the nation they came to compete against the rest of the world to represent. That's true pride. That's true patriotism. That's true um, passion, I, I, dignity. I, I just, I love this girl. Like I said, Tamira Mensah-Stock is the new face of the Olympics. She should be the new face of unity. She's black. And instead of embracing the Gwen Barry, Megan Rapino, and other woke athletes' hatred of America, she is embracing American greatness. I love living there. I love being in America. USA, she said, because she's smarter than all of the rest of them put together. She knows where the land of opportunity is for people of color, people of all colors, including the majority race, white color. The land of opportunity is here. She knows it. She was proud to wear those colors. And now she's wearing a new color, the color gold. And it's so very well deserved. So proud. I actually care now for the first time since the Olympic Games began. I care about them only because I care about this girl. Thank you to Myra Mensa Stock for doing what you do and for doing it how you did it. 923, we'll be right back. Okay, 926, I, uh, you know, I want to advise, obviously, this is not the top story of the day, but I made it my lead story for my monologue today because, again, I wanted to, I wanted to give this girl credit. I wanted to show her American pride and, in the process, show all of us that we can indeed be proud of our great country. We are sending patriots to face the rest of the world in these international competitions, not just haters, not just shamers like Megan Rapino and like Gwen Barry and others. This is uh, such a glorious thing to see. We do have bigger news uh, to discuss today, including the ongoing attempt by the Biden administration through their political arm called the CDC, which is not a health organization, it is a political organization, to try to continue their agenda of getting every American uh, to have that needle jammed in their arms. They continue to threaten you that if you don't take that needle, you're going to get sick and you're going to die. Then they try to find excuses when people who have taken the needle as directed by government and who are getting sick and having to go to the hospital. That's right. More and more and more of what they call breakthrough or uh, breakthrough uh, infections are happening. People who have received the jab are getting testing positive for COVID-19, which has led them to now the next step, which is wear that mask. Even if you've been vaccinated, wear the mask until we tell you that it's time for your booster. And if you don't wear that mask, you are not going to be allowed to go into stores. You're not going to be allowed to go into public settings. You are not going to be allowed to go to school. In many cases, this is what is already being decided by mostly Democrat governors and Democratic school administrators. 
No mask, no school. So they're going to continue to punish kids who are at an infinitesimally low uh, infection rate of COVID-19 and its Delta variant. But yet that's what they're doing anyway. Now it's being taken to a new level. It started in New York. It will not end there. This is, this is just ground zero for what is about to be a full-on assault of your freedoms. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced yesterday a, man, a vaccine mandate, meaning vaccine passports must be shown by all New Yorkers who want to go to an indoor public setting, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a gym, whether it's a concert venue, a venue for a ball game, anything and everything that is indoors. If you want to come in, you will show your papers, period. Now, that's an issue. Just because of what it does and what it says about our own medical privacy being violated and what it says about our own liberty and our own choices as to how we, uh, you know, take care of our own health. But it could be much, much more than that. As Peter Kersenow and I will discuss after the bottom of the hour, there's an element to this that perhaps Bill de Blasio did not consider. And that is the fact that only 31% of African Americans in New York are fully vaccinated. 31%. So how do you think it's going to play when New York restaurants, gyms, bars, event centers, concert venues, etc., tell 69% of, of New York's black population you're not welcome? You can't come in. How do you think that's going to play? And how do you think that would play if it had been a Republican mayor who issued such an edict? But no vaccine passport, no entry in New York. It's only starting in New York. Where does, when does it come to Cleveland? When does it come to Ohio? Time will tell. Curse and I and I will discuss that next. AM 1420, The Answer. is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Yes, indeed, 935 now. We continue on AM 1420. The Answer, an odd time and an odd, and an odd day for a not-so-odd man. He is Peter Kersenow, who joins us now on this Wednesday edition of The Authority. Pete was uh, kind enough to push to today for me since I was out yesterday. Peter Kersenow, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, Cleveland attorney, uh, columnist for the National Review, as well as a best-selling author, and probably a few more titles that I can't list right now. Hey, Pete, good morning. Bob, it's, uh, you know, we texted about this offline that it's, uh, this is football practice season, you know, do two days, uh, three days, and, uh, I'm glad I'm done with all that. <laughs> well, Although I tell you, know, you, I did have a pretty good workout this morning. I posted a 420 deadlift for three reps. Not bad for an old man. You did 423 times in a deadlift. Yep. And I have the sore back to prove it too. You, you are amazing. You are, you honestly, you are an inspiration. And in fact, I hope to take that inspiration and do something with it someday. All right, Peter Kersenow, seriously, let's, uh, let's dive into this. I want to, 
Now, now we're all watching what's happening here, Peter. Uh, they're calling the spread of the Delta variant just as deadly as the spread of the original COVID-19 virus, even though, uh, according to uh, countless numbers of examples, it is, it is you know, it is kind of manifesting itself as a little more than a summer cold for most people. It's much more highly infectious. It is much less lethal in terms of its mortality rate. But nonetheless, the fact that there are a ton of cases because of the infectiousness has the powers that be, federally and in various locales, uh, back on the masking bandwagon. And now the mandatory vaccination thing. Now, this is the part, Pete, I want you to comment on. Because what we are seeing is an extraordinary number of what they call breakthrough cases. These are people who have been vaxxed, not just with one jab, but two who are still getting hit with the Delta variant. Now, they're saying, again, it's not very strong, but they're getting hit with it. Uh, and so they're continuing to push vaccinations and masking at the same time. If you are vaxxed, you have to wear a mask anyway. And now yesterday, we kind of hit, I think, uh, a, a very important point here. This is, a, this, is a, this is a moment. Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York City, the largest city in the country, just mandated vaccines for everybody who wants to walk into a public setting, an indoor public setting, a restaurant, a bar, a gym, uh, a concert venue, uh, a sporting arena, whatever it is. If it's indoors and public, you must show your papers or you are not allowed in. Pete, speak to that assault on our freedom first, then speak to the fact that only 31% of African Americans in New York City have received the full vaccination. Are they really going to tell 69% of the black population you are not welcome indoors in New York public settings because you don't have your papers? And how do you think that's going to go in Woke 2021? Yeah, they're never going to try that. And if they do, you know, the howling hypocrisy will become apparent. Here they are saying that we can't have voter ID because blacks are disproportionately affected, which is false, as I've indicated to you before in previous conversations. We've looked at it at the Civil Rights Commission. We've looked at almost everything related to these kinds of things at the Civil Rights Commission. It's just patently false, but the media and the Democrats, but I repeat myself, like to pick and choose favorable data, and they don't choose data that's unfavorable, so they don't report these things. Um, The fact that de Blasio is mandating this, standing alone should tell you, it's a horrid idea. Is it legal? Yeah, it's legal, uh, but not everything that's legal is a good idea or or even something that uh, is... is, um, uh, you know, suggested to be done by health authorities. Um, and there's a range when you talk to health authorities. It just so happens that yesterday in my practice, I was involved in a matter related to COVID. And I had to do a little bit of research, not legal research, uh, because it's pretty clear you can mandate vaccines. That's been the case for about 120 years now. But um, it had to do with the the epidemiology related to it. And there was a pretty expansive UK study involving 420,000 children, 427,000 children. Um, and they showed that children are 99.995% of kids have no more than mild symptoms, okay, when they contract COVID, and they're at very, very low risk of contracting COVID. It's like one out of a million has a risk of dying. Uh, There's greater risks of dying from a whole host of activities than COVID, but we're on a COVID mania right now. Um, And I don't mean to diminish COVID. I know of people who have gotten both vaccines 
who have contracted COVID. Um, and the people that I know all report that they didn't really realize that they just kind of wanted to check because of the COVID hysteria. You know, they just had kind of mild symptoms, maybe some sniffles, you know, that so on and so forth, and they tested positive. Well, the purpose of the vaccine, remember the varying explanations we got for all the prophylactic measures that the health authorities have been taught, mainly Fauci and everybody else. Um, they varied from time to time, but the idea was, you know, we wanted to make sure that people weren't on ventilators and respirators and all, we didn't, uh, flood the IC units. Um, uh, and now the, the, they keep moving the goalposts on us. Mm -hmm. There are different and varying explanations for why we need to get vaccines, why we need to be masks, masked, why there are a whole host of prohibitions. And I think a lot of people who've been paying attention in good faith and don't want to necessarily dismiss these folks out of hand, they're like throwing up their hands. I am. I'll tell you, I, I don't know what to believe anymore. I know using common sense, that doesn't make sense to engage in the kind of hysteria that seems to be pervasive in the Biden administration and in much of the media, but I repeat myself. Um, I just think that it's a bad idea. Just because something is lawful doesn't mean it's a good idea. And there are countervailing issues and values at play. You mentioned it, Bob, freedom. Um, that seems to be a lost concept among many of our media and progressives, but I repeat myself. Uh, that's extraordinarily important. It's not just some vague principle. And yes, health is extraordinarily important, too. But when you balance the two, uh, we are seeding incrementally freedoms in this country um, and we have been for quite some time, and it seems to have been accelerated during COVID. And it wasn't just happenstance. A number of politicians, some of them Republicans, unfortunately, have seized this. And I think they really enjoy it. They may not, you know, it, it may not be conscious that what they're doing among some, among most of them, I think it is conscious. But they enjoy it, and that's why our founding fathers understood the need to cabin power and the aggrandizement of power among certain groups. And that's why we had a separation of powers, too. So it's a, that, that, that's kind of a, I don't know, a bloviating there. But I just think that this is a bad idea. I think it's not going to improve um, health of the population. And to the extent they are going to try to mandate it among blacks, I don't think a Democratic mayor or Republican mayor would dare do well, something to, to like that. To be clear, this. to be clear, I, you know, it's not a mandate against blacks. It's a mandate against anybody who's not vaccinated. My point was also just as an aside, only 31% of blacks in New York are vaccinated. So 69%, if they try to go indoors uh, to any public settings, they're going to be turned away. And at what point is that not going to be seen as being fundamentally racist? That Bill de Blasio's edict here, having such a disproportionate impact on blacks um, because of their vaccination rate, it's going to, you know, at what point is that going to um, sure. know, be, be destroyed? It'll have a disparate impact. There's no doubt about that. But as you know, and I know, and your audience knows, Democrats can get away with doing incredibly racist and discriminatory things. And, you know, nobody blinks an eye. By nobody, I mean the media, which, again, that's part of the Democratic Party. Uh, so they can get away with that kind of stuff, and they will get away with it. The media will say, this is the right thing to do, and we've got to encourage more blacks to take this vaccine, and my goodness. Uh, well, you know, what, you know what's odd about that, too, Pete, and I want your comment on is this. What is the narrative that the left, and particularly the media, the, the leftist media, 
and you repeat yourself. Uh, what, what is the narrative about the unvaccinated? They're all Trump Republicans. It's yeah. red staters who don't trust the, the, you know, Biden and blah, blah, blah. They're blaming Trump Republicans for not being vaccinated. They're turning it into a blue gets vaccinated, red does not. Well, I don't know about you, but the last time I checked, black Americans continue to vote Democrat around 90 to 93% of the time. And yet black Americans are by far the, the least vaccinated demographically uh, of, of all races. So which is it, uh, leftists? Is, is, it, is it Trump Republicans that are refusing the vaccine or is it liberal Democrat blacks? Because the, the data here in New York City, if it's, you know, if that's consistent across the board would indicate that, yeah, it's probably more the, uh, the black race that is not, uh, down with the, uh, you know, with the vaccine than it is the, tr- the red hat Trumpsters. Yeah, Bob, you're racist for even noticing that. And I would say that, you know, this is a matter of white supremacy somehow infecting the minds of blacks into not taking the vaccine and being aligned with Trumpsters. I mean, this is just nuts, Bob. You know, we just, we, we see craziness throughout the land and we're trying to make something rational out of it. And it's, an, it's impervious to rationality. So we have to accept the fact that the Democrats in the media do not have a coherent rationale or narrative related to this. It's all about, as I indicated before, the assumption, the aggrandizement of power, and it's also a function, let's be very frank, it's a, it's a function of the fact that we have a lot of people, uh, you know, you, I know many in your audience watch Tucker quite often, and Tucker's been on this for a long time, and I'll give him credit for it. Um, we have a leadership class, and I don't just mean among politicians, but we've seen the results of several generations of dumbing down standards, and now we have the dumb in charge. Now, I don't mean to paint a broad brush, but our elites are anything but, and they have these incoherent policies, they've got stupid policies, and they have no problems whatsoever trying to assume as much power as possible. So we have a confluence of all these factors coming up with bad public policy. But I, I go back to the initial premise. Coronavirus, the COVID uh, virus is in, and has been a deadly virus. This Delta strain and the fact that we've got so many people now vaccinated or who have uh, natural immunity to it really diminishes the argument that the left and the media have been making regarding masking, vaccinations, vaccination cards, and a whole host of impingements on our freedom. I say that we should be smart. I mean, I got both vaccines or both shots. Be smart. That was my own individual choice. But when I get the, yeah, when I got that vaccine, what do I care if the guy across from me didn't get it? I'm protected in large measure against getting it from him. Now, if it it actually works as they, if it actually works, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, I tell you, when I got it, the narrative, I had believed that I was pretty much immune at that point. And, you know, over the course of several months, I found out, no, that's, that's not the case. But we are relatively or pretty much immune to the most drastic consequences of the disease. And frankly, that's all I really care about. I don't want to end up in ICU. I don't want to end up dead. I can deal with, you know, some body aches and pains and don't want to get them. And I'll do what I can to avoid them. I'll be smart about it. I've been coming into my office every day since the pandemic began, probably because it's the safest place to be because there's nobody in the building. But, you know, you make individual choices. That's what it is to be an American. 
That's exactly right. That's what I've been screaming about since this whole thing began. Uh, but they are, they are, of course, trying to do more than just give you your choice. They are trying to mandate that you, that you do it and then prove by showing your medical records, and that's what it would be, showing a passport in order to go in and have a hamburger inside of a restaurant in New York City or to go into a gym and work out or whatever the case might be. And that is a major problem. Pete, um, you know, I want to focus on the hypocrisy here for a second. Uh, Bill de Blasio in New York, for example, mandating vaccines governors all over the country most of them blue states uh requiring masks now for school children acquiring retailers requiring masks you want to go back into giant eagle they announced yesterday i think home depot and others all requiring masks of shoppers and workers and and so on and so forth so they're all doing all of these things in response to this massive surge of the delta variant yet yet down at our southern border There continues to be a crush of illegal aliens coming across the border untested, unmasked, and unvaccinated, and being bussed or flown to locations all over this country. Are they serious about uh, fighting this quote-unquote Delta variant and stopping it with vaccines and masks, or are they not? Joe Biden got pinned on this yesterday and dodged the question completely. I have a question about something that you just said. I'm sure you do. Thank you. Uh, you just said there is no wall high enough and no ocean wide enough to protect us from the virus. So what is the thinking behind letting untested and unvaccinated migrants cross the southern border into U.S. cities in record numbers? There is what we're doing. We have not withdrawn the order that is sometimes critical or criticized, saying that unvaccinated people should be go back across the border. But unaccompanied children is a different story because there's that's the most humane thing to do is to test them and to treat them and not send them back alone. Okay, two things, Peter Kirsten. Now, number one. Um, adults are not being sent back. We are seeing them on camera, and we are seeing uh, Border Patrol agents uh, engaging with them as they get on buses and are bussed throughout the locations in this country. And second of all, they're not being tested. He just said we're testing the children and we're treating the children. They're not being tested. They're not being masked, and they're not being vaccinated. Again, cameras do not lie. So are they serious about stopping this variant or not? They're not serious about stopping it, or put this way, what's more serious for them is the accumulation of political power. That's their first imperative, maybe their only imperative. And what we're seeing at the border, you and I have talked about this, and if anybody's got more than 14 brain cells working, they can see this plainly. We have the highest number of illegal aliens coming across the border in history. Some people say 21 years. I've looked at the data in history. It's a flood. It is what Michelle Malkin called, you know, 15 years ago, an invasion. And it's much worse now, far much worse. And it's being done for political reasons. They are busing people into the interior and flying people at our expense into the interior to turn purple states blue and to turn red states purple and eventually blue. That is the purpose. They even talk about it in unguarded moments, or they make comments that suggest very clearly or plainly that that's what the ultimate objective is. They're being given millions of dollars worth 
of free legal advice. Boy, you know, that, that's great for a lot of lawyers who get paid by the federal government then, and it's really great for illegal immigrants, but what about ordinary Americans who are footing the bill to pay for illegal immigrants coming into the country to spread COVID and to turn their red state blue? This is infuriating, but it's dangerous. We have criminals coming across the border, COVID coming across the border, terrorists coming across the border, and the Biden administration is not simply standing down. They are encouraging it and expediting it. They're busing people into the interior. Don't even tell local officials that they're coming and simply drop these folks off in dead of night. Then they may partner with some NGOs and provide them with millions of dollars to provide housing and other services. This is an astonishing development. It's a derogation of our sovereignty, of our nationhood. And I have to say one thing. Outside of a few, such as Chip Roy, maybe a couple of other Republicans, and I don't mean to paint a a broad brush against Republicans, but this is the kind of thing that should compel every single Republican office holder, from dog catcher to senator, to get out on a soapbox if he can't find a TV camera or a radio microphone and yell and scream about this, to demand votes on this, whether it be central resolutions, whether it be, you know, uh, sentiments or, or, you know, conscious of this. I, I can't remember the, the term now. It's early and that the 420 pounds really got to my brain. <laughs> but, but, but nonetheless, uh, they should be making as much out of this as possible and taking taking votes on this, compelling votes on this. So it's at least made yeah. public. But they have to, you know, politicians love to be in front of cameras. This is one of those times. And if you're a Republican office holder who's listening right now, you know, I don't presume to tell you what your job is, but your job is to protect the United States of America. And if you're a Republican, you should be screaming at the top of your lungs. And guess what? It's also great politics. You want to get reelected? This is the way to do it. Peter Kirsten now on AM 1420, The Answer. I got one short segment left with Pete right after this. Okay, Peter Kirsten, now we've got barely three minutes to uh, wrap this up, so I don't have time to get into anything else into in much depth. I just want to ask you, generally speaking, uh, if you believe that we will return not only to the masking that we've been discussing, uh, not only to the push for vaccinations to be mandated, including in New York City with passports, but... Our lockdowns coming back. Joe Biden has been equivocal on this. He has been very, very, you know, flimsy, uh, you know, flexible, if you will. He said, well, you know, I'm not ordering anything, but I'm not taking anything off the table. It is more than likely there will be new restrictions. Do you think we're going back to essential workers only can leave their houses? No, I don't think we're going to go back to that because I think the Biden administration has taken a look at horrendous polling data with respect to mask mandates and vaccinations and things of that nature. You you could see it in Jen Psaki's kind of evolving responses over the last two weeks. They don't want to get pinned down on these things. They prefer to defer these things, to punt it to local authorities. So in blue areas, you may see lockdowns. You may see mask mandates and and vaccine passports. I know de Blasio is talking about that. Uh, I clearly, in places like Texas and Florida, and I would hope, I sincerely would hope in the red state of Ohio, plus eight for Trump, we wouldn't do something of that nature. I say again, what is the health imperative here? Again, again, we we all want to be healthy. Uh, You know, we all want to be responsible in terms of taking vaccines and taking precautions and not unnecessarily spreading the Delta variant. But at the same time, when you look at the health data in terms of deaths, 
um, it, it, you know, and the ICU units, the things that had compelled the lockdowns over a year ago, they're just not there. Um, and and is it you know you, you get called um, you know a, a, a denier or something if you don't accept the fact that coronavirus is going to devastate the entire world? Well, th- this is sheer lunacy. We're adults. We can look at the data. We've seen what's happened, and I think we should behave. This is, as some people have said, some very responsible epidemiologists and, and other doctors who have said, this is the functional equivalent of a bad flu. If that, That's if right. that, more people, more people die from the flu than from this. So take precautions, be responsible, but by the same token, be Americans. You have uh, more faith in Mike DeWine than I do, though, when you say that you would hope that the red state of Ohio wouldn't engage in such things. But we're not governed by a red state governor. We're governed by Mike DeWine, who is about as squishy of a, of a rhino as you can possibly be. And remember, he was one of the very, very first last March to engage in lockdowns across this country. He was one of the trendsetters. He made it to Time Magazine by being the first to do that. So Mike DeWine likes his power, and I would not, uh, I would have less faith, I think, uh, in him than, than perhaps you might. Uh, with respect to us being a red state. Peter Kirsten, now that's all the time we've got, my friend. Thank you so very much for coming in on a Wednesday. We'll talk to you next week. Fun as always, Bob. Thanks. Take care. You got it. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Coming up on the program, right after the top of the hour news. We've been talking about CRT being, uh, you know, infecting our local schools for some time now, and we're worried about it in the 2021 school year. What kind of curricula is going to be forced upon your kids with respect to critical race theory, which is racist in its origin and Marxist in its theory? Um, what kinds of things will, you, will your kids be exposed to? Well, in Solon, they know because they surveyed the kids and they have essentially set up their programs based on the results of those surveys. Two parents who are trying to sound the alarm on what's going on in Solon schools will be joining me next. Stay right here on AM 1420, The Answer.